Well, good morning. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Heritage Church of Christ. Welcome to this uh, time of worship and togetherness. It is good to be with you. If you're a guest of ours this morning, welcome. We're grateful to have you in our presence and this opportunity to worship with you. Uh, it's great. I'm grateful for the opportunity to know you and uh, to have a, a chance for our church uh, to be together in this place. Blessing to have, have guests and friends, neighbors, family members with us this morning. My name is Travis Akins. I'm the minister here at Heritage Church, and I'm grateful to know you. I hope if I haven't been able to say hello to you yet this morning that we'll have that opportunity in this place this morning uh, as we, uh, at the end of our time of worship together. If you haven't done so already, you can access our digital bulletin right here on this QR code or go to edmundheritage.church slash Sunday. Lots of information, different things going on here at Heritage. If you want to keep up with what's going on or what's coming up, this is a great place to do that. If you've never used a QR code before, take your phone's camera. Your camera will bring up a link right there to edmundheritage.church slash Sunday. And all the information going on there, uh, going on here at Heritage will be there. You need to know this morning, uh, uh, we continue not to pass our communion. So hopefully you've picked up communion on your way in. Pre-packaged bread and juice uh, later this morning. We'll have an opportunity to be at the Lord's table. David Kern will lead us in our time at, uh, at the table and communion this morning. So if you haven't done so, we encourage you to do that now. I also want to encourage you to have a digital bulletin to fill out our welcome book. It's an incredibly helpful tool for us to not only know about your presence, but to be able to follow up appropriately, appropriately if needed. And so I hope you'll take just a couple of moments this morning to fill out the digital welcome book at edmundheritage.church slash Sunday, especially to our guests. We'd love for you to take just a second to do that here in this place this morning. Also, I want to give you a quick update. I sent an email about this this week. You've noticed our chairs a little more spread out. We've got a change in our schedule this morning. I want to kind of make sure everyone's aware of that, give you a little insight into why our schedule is a little different this morning. This morning, we will not have Bible classes or fellowship following worship. Now, this is a, I'm prayerful, a one-off change in our Sunday schedule. We had originally planned for a new member recognition fellowship this morning. But, and in light of recent events, in particular, let me be very honest with you, and, and, and recent events with Heritage members, we decided it was not the wisest or most cautious and caring thing for us to do is to have a major fellowship uh, with food and drink and everything else in this place right now. So we had planned that uh, months ago. We had planned for today to be a member recognition fellowship. And uh, so because of that, our schedule was going to be different. We had not planned for Bible classes today. And I didn't think it was fair for our Bible teachers on a
I'll, I'll say this, and I don't think I'm the only one in the room that will share this sentiment. I'm ready for the pandemic to be over, right? But it's not. And one of the things that we have to do in, as a community is be mindful of not just what I want or what I think, but what each other and each other's health and being cautious in neighborliness. Being a good neighbor to the Twin Bridges neighborhood that has over 500 homes right here, or to the teachers and the students of this school right here, being good neighbors to this school and to that neighborhood starts with being good neighbors to one another. And so we're going to be cautious, and we're going to constantly and consistently reevaluate what we believe is the best thing for one another. Not always going to agree on that. I don't even agree with myself most of the time on these things, right? Um, this was a really hard week, not only because um, we've had um, several members in the last two weeks contract COVID-19. We have one of our members, Nathan Glavin, in the hospital right now. I'm thankful to report that Nathan's oxygen is slowly progressing in the right direction, uh, but he is, um, he's got a long road ahead of him. And we want to be mindful of those kinds of things, being mindful of one another. And I think that it, that's an important aspect of not just being neighbors, but of being God's community, being God's people. And so there'll be a lot of things that we'll continue to reevaluate, be mindful of, um, and we'll adjust as we go. Um, this is over three years now, and if you're newer to Heritage, you probably even heard this, especially in recent days, we must be flexible. Flexibility, I believe, is a spiritual practice, one that God calls us to practice often. When things change or, or sudden things move us into different directions, we will be flexible, but we will be good and kind and positive, godly people along the way as we practice flexibility. Uh, this morning, since we do not have uh, Bible classes, we will take special time at the end of our worship to take uh, just a couple of moments to pray specifically for those who've been affected by COVID-19, the health situation. I know, I know there are people in this room who have lost good friends and family members to this virus. And there are people that are hurting. There are, there are uh, essential workers that are that are tired, and they're over it, they're overworked, and we're going to take time this morning at the end of our worship to pray for that specifically in this place this morning. So we will be mindful of it, we will be aware of it, but we will be prayerful of it as we go and continue to go through this unusual, crazy time that we are in. As we come into this place of worship, Brent, you're next, right? Without looking, you're next. Uh, Brent's going to come up, and we're going to begin our time of worship. And I want to encourage you, as best as you can, take a deep breath. Let go of all this stuff for a few moments. Be in the presence of your Father. Sing to Him. Lift your voice and give your heart to Him in this place, in this moment. There's a lot going on, but this is a moment that we set aside to put it all aside and to be in the throne room of our Father. As Brent comes up to lead us in our worship, let me ask you to stand right where you are. Let me offer a word of prayer of opening as we come into worship this morning. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Father, we pray earnestly for your kingdom to come this very day. Help us to be your kingdom children. Fathers, we take this time, as we turn this cafeteria into your holy ground, Father, would you give us the energy, the focus, would you give us the determination to set everything aside and to be with you, to be together in this place in song and in worship, to be together in this place in your holy word. Would you speak to us, God? Would you give us your presence would you give us a peace that, that passes all of our understanding? Father, may we know, each of us know, that you are present, you are alive, and you are in this place at this time. Hear us. Watch out for us. Take care of us, Father. It's in your Son's precious and holy name we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Brent? If you could please still stand uh, while we sing the next two songs. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nation, Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender, Savior, the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Amen. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him, dearest war, swords fade. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not afraid. 
Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I am not alone. Other friends may fail me, he is still my own. Though his hand may lead me over drearest ways, anywhere with Jesus as a house of praise. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus over land and sea, telling souls in darkness of salvation free. Ready as he summons me to go or stay, anywhere with Jesus when he points the way. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I can go to sleep. When the darkening shadows round about me creep. Knowing I shall wake and never more to roam. Anywhere with Jesus will be home, sweet home. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> We're going to sing our next song, focusing already on communion that David Kern is going to bring to us. King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn crown brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou was laid, tenderly mourned and wept. Angels in robes of light array guarded thee whilst thou slept. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Let me like Mary through the gloom come with a gift to thee. Show me to now the empty tomb, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for Thee. Even Thy cup of grief to share, 
thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. This morning, we, we gather together to remember the Lord's death. You know, God has given us the ability to remember, to think of things that happened in the past. Yesterday was a day we remembered. We remembered what happened 20 years ago. That was a tragedy that happened. But there's also other things that we remember that God has given us the ability to do. And that is to remember good things. Maybe good things that happened in our lives. Maybe uh, good things um, that happened to, to somebody else. You know, we remember birthdays. We remember anniversaries. We can probably all remember when our kids were born and what happened during those, those times. We remember holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, whatever. We remember them all the time. And, and God has given us that ability to remember and to think and to, to reflect on, on the past. And so today as we do every Sunday, and I believe we're commanded every Sunday to come together to partake of the Lord's Supper. That's why we come together, to, to gather as a church, as a body, and reflect and remember the great sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, giving his body and his blood so that we could have salvation. Without that, we would have nothing. And so let us reflect as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you Drink the, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Let us pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, this time that we can gather around your table to remember you, to remember this great sacrifice that Jesus gave as he willingly went to the cross and gave himself up for us. We thank you for this bread, which represents his body. May we partake of it in a manner that's pleasing to you and honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us now let us now pray for the for the cup. Heavenly Father, we come to you again thanking you for Jesus. Thanking you for his willingness to go to the cross to to give his life to shed his blood so that we could have salvation through, through him. But, uh, as we partake of this fruit of the vine, we pray that we partake of it also in a manner that pleases you, that brings glory and honor to your name. Guide us always, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't mind, let's stand again to continue praising God together. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus, who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise 
to the land that was slain, who has borne all our sins and has cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the God of all grace, who has bought us and sought us and guided our ways. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Amen. Please be seated. Now is a pretty special time for our kids. It, kids, if your parents allow you, please make your way up uh, so that we can hear the kids' message from Luke Hartman. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. Good morning, guys. Good morning. <laughs> All right. I want to talk for a second about names. Names are pretty important. So my name is Luke. Okay. What's your name? I want you to all tell me your name on the count of three. Okay. One, two, three. Good. I think I got some of those. All right. Very good. Um, so names are really important. In fact, Mr. Travis, the last uh, couple of weeks, has talked some from the Bible in Exodus about Moses going to the burning bush, and he and God are talking about what God's name is and how Moses is going to tell the people about God's name. So as part of that, I want us to look at something. Can we put a picture up on the screen? How many of you guys know who this guy is? You guys know who this is? Yeah? Most of you? Mo oh, okay. This is from a movie called what? Toy Story. It's, it's an old movie. It came out last millennium. And um, it's a story about a boy named Andy and his toys, right? And they, they tell a story about them. Um, and the movie's so old that Andy right now has probably gone off to college or something in real life. I'm not sure. But back then, he's a little boy, and he's got the toys, okay? So this is who? Woody, right? And Woody, yeah, read notes. And Woody is a cowboy, right? Woody is Andy's favorite toy. Woody can do cool things, um, he can ride around, he can tell you that you're his favorite deputy, um, Woody has neat bed sheets, he's the kind of toy that Andy likes to have. And things are going great in Woody's life until what happens? The next slide. This guy comes along, right? And who's this guy? Buzz. 
And what happens to Woody when Buzz comes along? Woody feels kind of down because Buzz can do cool things, right? He's a space ranger, he's got a laser beam, he can fall with style, like he can do a bunch of things that Woody can't do, right? And Woody starts to wonder, am I good? Am I important? Does Andy care about me anymore? Am I even a valuable toy? And he has lots of questions and he gets really sad, right? And then someone reminds him of something, right? And what do they remind him of? Let's go to the next slide. That on the bottom of Andy's cowboy boot, sorry, Woody's cowboy boot, Andy has written his name, right? You remember that from the movie? Where they, um, Bo Peep is talking to Woody and says, look, you are still special because Andy has given you his name. He's written it on the bottom of your boot. And he's written on the bottom of Buzz's boot as well. And that lets you know that you are special, that you belong to Andy. As you grow up and get a little older, you may start to wonder sometimes, look, I can't do all the things some other kids can do. Maybe these other kids are cooler than me or more special than me or better than me. Maybe I don't know if anyone loves me or if I have any value. And one of the things the Bible talks about in several places is, is names, the names of God, God um, calling people by their name, but also in two places um, that I want to say real quick about God giving his name to people. So one, early in the book of, um, of Numbers, in the early parts of the Bible, God says, so I will put my name on them and I will bless them. God talks about putting his name on people and blessing them. At the very end of the Bible in Revelation, um, Jesus is talking to the churches and he says, I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city my God, which is coming down out of heaven. And I will also write on them my new name. So the Bible talks about a time when God will put his name on people that he loves and that he cares about, and those people are his. Always remember that God has given you his name, and because of that, you are special and valuable because of that. Does that make sense? Have something I want to, like an object lesson for that. So on the bottom of my boot, my cowboy boot, what does it say? Yeah, it says God, right? I've written that on there to remind me that just like Woody is valuable because Andy has given him his name, I am valuable, all of you are valuable because God has given you his name. He has put it on you and you have that ability. Um, it's not on the bottom of your shoe carpet. They don't come that way. You have to, you have to choose to do it. Um, I, I even wrote one of the, the middle letters backwards, like the O is backwards, so it kind of looks like Andy with the, that right there. And so just like Woody is valuable because Andy has given him his name. All of you are valuable because God will give you his name. And always remember that. Okay? Okay. Thanks, guys. You can go back to your chairs. And parents, I want you to remember that children are a heritage from the Lord.
next song is very hard to sing sitting down. If you're at, at all like me, and maybe it's just me, but let's sing together one more time. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth let us sing. Power and majesty praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have, and nothing compares to the promise I have, and nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. After this song, we'll have uh, the reading of God's Word and then our sermon today. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in Him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each one, deep path I tread. Gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread, though my weary steps may falter, and my soul a thirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me, all the fullness of His love. Perfect rest to me is promised, 
in my Father's house above. When my spirit clothed in mortal wings, it's fly to realms of day. There's my song through endless ages. Jesus led me all the way. There's my song through endless ages. Jesus led me all the way. I'll be reading from uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you have your Bibles... Exodus chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. The text will be on the screen behind me. You can find them at the digital bulletin at edmundheritage.church slash Sunday and the Version Bible app as well. And as you turn over there, we're going to start in Exodus 4 and we're going to make a pivot into 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. And as you turn there, I just want you to know that um, perhaps the greatest joke I've ever heard in my life was said this morning by Luke Hartman on the backward O. That was, we were dying laughing over here. That was pretty good. So um, Luke Hartman's going to be teaching our, our new adult Bible class that starts next Sunday. So I expect that kind of humor every single week, Luke. Thank you. Uh, Exodus 4 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we've been in the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been in a study using Moses as a springboard of conversation and discussion and study on leadership, eldership, and the church's place in all of this. And this morning, I want to talk more about this as we get into the text a little bit, but this morning we begin uh, the process or the phase of identifying potential future elders, local elders of the Heritage Church of Christ. Of course, we have elders currently, our planting church, Memorial Road Church of Christ, it has direct oversight of our congregation, of our community. But we have, as we have been talking about since early spring, we have been preparing for this moment and this process to identify potential local elders of our young congregation. And so this morning, I want to take some of these specifics that we have talked about and look at, um, as we get into this phase of our uh, identification, the identification phase, I want to look at a couple of things specifically as we as a church begin into this. Now, uh, my second daughter, Lucy's birthday, was just a week ago, a little over a week ago, and my, Lucy turned 12, and Lucy wanted, um, she wanted one thing for her birthday. She wanted nail stuff. 
That's how it was described to me. And I thought, oh, nail stuff. This is great because I have bought her uh, fake nails and stuff before. And I'm like, those are like 90 cents. And uh, nail polish is not that expensive, at least the ones I remember. I'm like, this is going to be a great birthday, right? As a dad, I'm thinking this is going to be great. She gave Laura and I a list of things that she needed for nail stuff. She needed all kinds of things. I never even heard of 90% of this list before. The, she, she got tools. She got, I, I mean, not just nail polish, but it was a slew of things because as she described it, to do it right, she needed the right things, right? Right, so these are things that I was not aware of, but she wanted and needed the right tools to open her own amateur nail salon in my living room. And so she got a lot of these things, the right tools to do the right thing. I remember this story of a young lumberjack. He got hired uh, at a lumberjack company. He was young and inexperienced, but he got the job because he proved himself with his axe. So he shows up for the first day of work, and his new boss for this lumberjack company gives him a whole new set of tools, and one of those was a brand new chainsaw. And so he sends him out to his field to get work done. In the first few days of his new lumberjack job, he was only cutting down four or five trees a day when all of his peers were cutting down 20 to 30 trees a day. And so this young lumberjack became very discouraged, became discouraged because he couldn't keep up. He couldn't have the same quota produced the same way as, as everyone else on the job. And so he went to his boss after a couple of weeks and said, I'm frustrated. I'm not sure I made the right decision. I can't do it. So his boss said, let me come out with you and let me see how you're doing things. And maybe there's some things we can work on. And you can get better in this area and everything else. So the next day he goes out with the young lumberjack. It says, show me, show me how you cut down a tree. And so the young lumberjack goes over to all the new tools that his boss had given him on day one. He opens up the chainsaw case. He pulls out the chain from the chainsaw and goes over to the tree and starts to back and forth with the chain on the tree. He was using his tools wrong, right? He left the chainsaw in the case and he took the chain and he was using it wrong. He didn't understand the tool that he was given, right? And so if we don't use the tools properly for whatever the job may be, one, it makes it harder, and it secondly, may not get the job done at all. He could still get some trees cut, but not maybe to the quota that he needed. Lucy can still do nails. I mean, I thought I was going to get out cheap with some fake nails and nail polish, but to do it right, she needed the right tools. Now, this, this idea can be applied in many different areas, right? But we see this. Just, was, just as we discussed last week in Exodus chapter 4, we see this even in Moses, with Moses. Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, comes across that burning bush. God begins to speak to him. And one of the things that has just absolutely captured my attention in my studies of, of Moses recently in, in preparation for these messages and this series and everything else is that in Exodus chapter 4, Moses has given just about every excuse that he can think of before the presence of God in the burning bush of why he is not qualified to be the person to go into Egypt and bring the Israelites out of slavery. And God pauses in this moment, I believe, at the beginning of Exodus chapter 4, and God asks him, 
What is in your hand? And Moses replies, a staff. That Moses brings out the tool that he would have had on him for 40-something years. As a shepherd of sheep, he had his shepherd's staff. Now, we're going to get to this in, 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 future, uh, in future weeks, but um, the, the staff that Moses has here in Exodus chapter 4, if, if Moses is not the main character of Exodus, which he is, the staff is certainly the co-star of the story. Because this staff is found throughout the rest of the story that is told in Exodus. This shepherd's staff. Because, and I just want to point out a couple of things that begin to happen with this staff. Because God points out this staff. Now there's a wonderful miracle that happens at the beginning of Exodus chapter 4. We read a little bit about it last week. But the thing that captures my attention is that God goes to the tool that Moses is accustomed to having because God's going to use what Moses knows and, and the tool that he understands to get what God wants accomplished in his calling. So the, the, the miracles go on, the staff becomes a snake. I know I'm jumping around, but, but I want you to get an idea of how this staff plays a, a vital part in the story. In chapter 4, verse 17, God tells Moses, take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. That God's going to use the tools that Moses knows to get the job done. In chapter 4, verse 20, when Moses is out of excuses and Moses now accepts his calling from God, Moses took his wife and his sons, he put them on a, don a donkey and started back to Egypt. And guess what? He took the staff. That's not just a staff now. What's it called? The staff of God. Because Moses sees the tool not just as a tool for sheep, but as a tool for God. Now that staff is an important aspect of this story because Moses used it for many things, right? Now, I, I again, I never thought I'd be um, this excited for such a simple thing. Like this, a little short is be a great cane. I could walk around, right? But this is a tool, right? This is a tool that not only helps Moses... As a shepherd, he can use it in rocky grounds. He can use it to prop himself up. He can even use it to pry or move rocks if necessary. But this is a tool that helps him keep up with and shepherd the flock of sheep that he's in charge of. From very simple tasks, like using it to nudge a sheep back into the, into the group. He can use it to actually whack a sheep back into the group if he needs to. It's got a, it's got a nook or a hook on it. Right, and the nook or the hook on on, on the uh, the staff can also be used if a sheep, which have been known apparently throughout time to wander off from the others, he can actually use it to quickly grab it, put it around their neck, and yank them back into the group. Right, this thing would be used to help uh, with young um, sheep that were born to use, like when these when these young ones are born. Um, one of the things, apparently, you can't pick up young ones right after they're born because their mother won't accept them then. You know what the staff does in that case? It picks up these young ones. 
It can hold them and take care of them and get them back to the group if necessary. This thing is, is quite fascinating uh, just from a shepherd of sheep standpoint. But now, this isn't just a shepherd's staff in Exodus chapter 4. This is the staff of God. And this thing is used. This is the same staff, not this one, okay? I, I'm using the one in Exodus 4 as example. But this is the staff in Exodus chapter 4 verse 20, the staff of God. This will be the staff in Exodus 4 20 that God will use to part the Red Sea to actually deliver His people out of Egypt. Like This tool is mighty and it is diverse and it is what God has chosen through His person Moses to make this work. To bring Him into the fold and to understand who He is. And as we as a church embark on identifying our local elders, our shepherds of this church. We need to understand that we are asking and calling different men to come together and to be shepherds of this flock. And if we can kind of start bridging the gap a little bit as I kind of turn, pivot us to 1 Timothy chapter 3 for just a moment, because I think this fits. And I, I'm going to break this down very quickly in just a moment. But we're asking and calling and raising up men to be shepherds of a flock and to use the tools that they have and the tools to which God has given to them to not just be, but to be those men of God. Now, 1 Timothy 3 helps us understand this just a little bit. And I want to do that and, and and I want to do that by looking at one verse very quickly. You think that's going to stay? I hope so. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul. Now, this is a letter that Paul writes specifically to his friend, uh, to his, his fellow minister, one that he has, um, he has mentored in many different ways. But he writes this in 1 Timothy 3, verse 1 to Timothy. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Okay, I want to read the rest of it, but we got to understand a couple of things that are going on in this one verse. The context of 1 Timothy matters. And if I had more time, I would have read the first two chapters of 1 Timothy just to understand better the one verse of 1 Timothy chapter 3. There's a lot going on in the church in Ephesus where Timothy is when Paul writes to his friend Timothy. And there is apparently a crisis within leadership at the church because there are some within leadership that are using their position as a, as a place of power and immorality. We read this through context. And so Paul now wants to address, not to the church, at least we don't have that particular letter, but what he wants to address to Timothy is how he can be one to help guide and shepherd in a lot of ways the leadership of this young church to not live in immorality, but to be godly people in the moment. We learn that there's some leaders who are doing, living in morality, but there's also leaders who are teaching in error, and that there are women especially who are being harassed and or abused by leadership in that church. And so chapter 1, 
Paul's urging Timothy and he's reminding him of who he is and God's calling. He's reminding him to be a truthful person who teaches the word of God with life and appropriately to everyone he comes into contact with. We love one of the great verses of 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1, right? Whether you're young or not, right? In chapter 2, Paul continues, and he's stressing to Timothy the importance to conduct themselves in a way that is fitting to God's truth and word. He wants not only Timothy, which he talks about personally in chapter 1, he wants the church that he's working with to be a church that uh, resembles God in their morality and in their ethics and in their actions, right? That everyone in the community ought to have this feeling, this weightiness to live in God's truth. And so he gets to chapter 3, and Paul's not just inserting a quip, a nice little thing. Oh yeah, by the way, he's writing this in context to all this going on in the church where Timothy's at. Here is a trustworthy saying. Paul clearly wants to address some leadership issues in the church. He wants the church to understand, right, that, that leadership can bring you down, but it can also raise you up. So here's a trustworthy saying, that whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, um, raise your hand if you have seen me write an email or talk from this pulpit about us identifying overseers. Right? Have I used that word? No. But you understand. Right? So the conversation is not necessarily going to be about whether we agree with this word, which is not where I'm going, but I want to understand exactly what Paul's saying in 1 Timothy 3 verse 1. Because we turn to this verse and we talk about elderships, we talk about shepherds, but those are not the words that Paul uses. He uses the word overseer, right? You might be a little more, uh, uh, little more hesitant to identify men to be overseers, right? There's something about that word. But this word in of itself, most directly translated is overseership. That it's, that it's this position of looking out for or over. And um, you can even think of it as in a way of, as one who's an inspector, one who's out and looking for, paying attention to, right? Though the word may not be directly associated in the original Greek language, uh, the word is often associated as, as an office, an office of bishop, for instance. You'd really be uneasy if I started using the word bishop, I'm guessing. But that's what Paul's talking about. This office of oversight, because that's essentially what bishop means. And so when Paul comes in and says, those who desire to be an overseer desire this position of looking out, inspecting, of oversight of the church. Now this word is used a few different times in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 19, verse 44, Jesus is referring to a judgment day. But you know, he doesn't use the word judgment in Luke chapter 19, verse 44. You know what the word he uses is overseer. But you know what Jesus is saying about that? The implication is he's saying that it's that in God's time, God will come 
to look out for or to bring about, to inspect, right? He will bring overseer to the moment that is, it, that is there. Peter uses it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. The same context, he's in the same context of judgment, but he doesn't use the word judgment. You know what the word he uses? Overseer. That in time of God's coming to you is the most direct translation of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. That God's coming to you the day He visits, inspects, overlooks. So I think it's quite noteworthy for us to pause for just a moment in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and to define and understand that Paul's use of overseer is intentional and it's not out of the realm. It is one that is a, that this noble task that he is discussing is one who aspires to be a, a lookout, an inspector, one who wants to live or, or work into a position that doesn't seek status, but seeks responsibility. That overseers are not about status, they're about responsibility. So, the Travis International Version can look a little like this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Don't get, I'm not rewriting scripture, I'm helping us think about the word overseer a little differently. Here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a position of special responsibility and leadership. Right? That the, the ones who are in leadership, the ones that Paul's addressing directly through his friend Timothy and the context of the church in Ephesus and what's going on and the immorality and the false teaching and the abuse that is taking place that Paul wants to, to, to help correct through Timothy is he wants leadership to understand that it's a noble task or it's a special position. It's a special responsibility. It's a place where one's overlooking the souls of other people. That they're watching out for each other. They're not abusing or taking advantage of. They are encouraging and they are Jesus-like. Now, to me this sounds a lot like the responsibilities of a shepherd. Which is why... In so many ways, we can interchange the word elder, shepherd, overseer, and I will say bishop, right? Those words can all be interchanged in this context because all of them fit together. Though they may have their specific definitions, they can all be used interchangeably. And here's a great example of this, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Now again, um, in Acts chapter 20, Paul is leaving the church in Ephesus, which is ultimately the last time he will leave this church. And before he leaves, Paul is addressing the elders, the leadership, the overseers of the church in Ephesus. I'm not going to read a lot of this farewell speech, of this, of this, this last moment of encouragement, uh, these reminders and charge from the apostle, but I want to read two verses, Acts chapter 20, verses 28 and 29. As he's talking to the overseers, the elders of the church, he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now stop right there for just a second. And he's already mixed up two of these words, right? 
Watch out for the flock. That's shepherd language. But then he goes into the use of overseer. That's bishop, uh, lookout, inspector language. He goes on. What's the charge to these leaders? Be shepherds of the church of God, which he, brought, he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. You see how these words are being interchanged? You hear it, right? That, that there's shepherds of a flock or taking care of your flock. You're going to be shepherds of other people, but you're going to watch out for them. You're going to look out for them. Why? Because there will be wolves, that shepherd language, that will come in and they're going to continue to try to take advantage and rip the community apart. But you will not just be a good inspector, you will be a good shepherd. You will need the tools that God has given you to be the, the, the people that God is calling you to be, which is what we find in Exodus chapter 4. That we seek as a church... To raise up and identify overseers, elders, shepherds into the position of special responsibility and leadership. We are not seeking people to come into a different status. We seek to identify men into a special responsibility and leadership to this congregation. We seek heritage over Sears. And our church is collectively sharing. Together, we are sharing, beginning today, who we believe is not just going to do the job, but is currently working the special responsibility and living into that leadership today. And we believe we'll continue to do so as overseers, as shepherds. And we as a church, as a collective voice, are asking these men to aspire to that noble task to which Paul talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. The task of overseeing, inspecting, watching out, looking out for each and every one of us. We as a church are trying to identify the men who will come along to godly high morals and ethics to, to walk with us, to be more like Jesus and to guide us, to take the staff when necessary, to grab us by the neck when it's necessary, to tap us back into the group when necessary, to be ones who look out and inspect, but also to be the shepherds that are among us. So we look at this, and here's what I want to do. Um, I'm changing some things. Get ready. Here we go. Um, let's go to the uh, couple slides over identification slide. Let's do that, okay? So we're going to jump, and I'm going to come back to the rest of 1 Timothy chapter 3 when I have more time uh, to really get into some of those things, okay? Beginning today, as I've mentioned, now... Four Sundays through October 3rd, um, we are asking everyone here at Heritage to begin identifying the potential, our, our potential future eldership. Okay, uh, Forms are available right out here in the hallway this morning. I emailed those this week as well, I do believe. 
and the, uh, the box to submit those are also in, in the hallway here, which will be available today through October 3rd, okay? And one of the things that I have tried to encourage since early spring is us as a church is to spiritually prepare for this phase and this process of us as a church raising up, calling men to, uh, to be our shepherds, to be our elders, and to be our overseers. Um, I, I find it quite interesting, um, the things that we tend to think about when we think about leaders, right? This, quite honestly, and I've, I've been in ministry for 17-something years now, this was very rarely ever an example of leadership even as a full-time minister for 17 years. Uh, this is years ago. Um, you know, as a minister, churches might call you every now and then. And this is years ago. A church had called me about a particular, particularly uh, ministry job, and I began uh, curious about it. I began to talk with them. And you know what some of the things they started asking me about were? Um, they, they said, where's your blog? So do you have a podcast? You know, do you have any uh, any writings in the works? Any publishing going on? So these were the kinds of questions that I learned pretty early on when they were talking to me about this particular ministry job, and I learned pretty quick what their value of leadership looked like. There was no questions about a shepherd's staff, right? And, and and I know those correlations, you know, are vague and they don't necessarily go together, but you get my point, right? that the value that we seek on in leaders is vastly different than the, than the value that God seems to find in having a simple tool like a shepherd's staff before Moses or before those who will be our shepherds in this congregation. Oh man, I did some, uh, I did some uh, research this week and I found a ton of lists like this, but this one uh, I think gives a, a really good example of what we're talking about. I found... I found this website that gave seven amazing tools everyone in leadership should be using. Okay? Stuff like strategic thinking, conflict resolution skills, delegation skills, mentorship programs, and my favorite on the list, innovation. Right? Um, now let's go back to 1 Timothy 3, starting in verse 2. I want us to think and listen to this. As Paul continues, here's a trustworthy saying, anyone who desires to be an overseer desires a noble task, a special responsibility and position in leadership. I want you to think about the things we typically equate to leadership or the skills or the the, the background, the resume that we may think about as a leader we may want in work or at school, and sometimes even in church, as I've experienced as a minister. And I want us to listen to these verses as we begin to close this message. And I, I want to ask you one thing. Is this the requirements or is this the kind of job description, if you will, that Paul leaves with Timothy? Is he looking for an innovative elder or overseer? Is this the biggest thing that, that Paul is worried about for Timothy is to go out and to find a strategic thinker? 
Is Paul asking Timothy to go out and find the best conflict resolution skills that he can find within the men of the congregation? 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let me pick up in verse 2. Now, Paul says, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Verse 6, he must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall into the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. As we embark on identifying the potential future elders, shepherds, overseers of this church, we must wrestle with what God is asking us and God is calling us to identify to be our leadership. Do we need strategic thinking? Sure. Innovation, probably. But that's not what God's requirement is. God requires those who are willing to use the staff that he has given. Let's pray together. Father, God, thank you. Thank you for this place and this time. And God, I want to pray a special blessing over this church and this community at this time as we embark on the process of identifying our future elders, our shepherds, our overseers. God, would you give us not only the wisdom, but would you give us the patience and the love as we go through these phases, these steps, Father, we have been preparing. And Father, I pray now that we are in this process, that you would bless us as a church, that you would bless us with peace, unity. God, that you would bless us as we go through, as we follow in your Spirit's guiding. Help us to seek men who are willing to take the staff of God to each and every one of us to lead us, to look out for us, to inspect, to care, to love, to be the leaders that are more like Jesus every day. Take care of us and watch out for us. Father, bless us through these times that we are in. It's in your Son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. The invitation this morning, I'll make myself available up front. If there's anything I can do uh, for you as your minister or this church can do for you during this time, please come find me. I will be available. Again, no classes this morning, but I will be around uh, this morning. If there's anything I can do for you or anything we can talk, uh, talk about, um, we will sing one last song in this place this morning. So let's stand together and let's sing. Behold, blessed thought. Oh, words with heavenly comfort froth. Whatever I do, where I be, still tis God and the heavenly 
leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me by his own hand. He leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's flowers bloom, by water still our troubled sea. Still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand. He leadeth me, his faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Lord, I will clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur, nor reply. Content, whatever lot I seek, since is my God that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand. He leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grave the victory's won. In death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan and leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand. Leadeth me, his faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, uh, we'll do our offering for the week. Um, there are three ways to give. Uh, you can go on the website. Um, you can do the app or uh, text the number in. You can also, if you have a check or anything that you want to give today, um, you can see uh, either Travis, um, Jeff, or uh, Tom. Uh, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you uh, for everything that you have given us um, and all the blessings that you give us each day. At this time, uh, as we give back a portion of those blessings, let us be mindful of everything that you have done for us uh, and give in a manner that will be pleasing unto you. Uh, may these funds be used to further the work of the church here. Uh, please keep uh, all those that are dealing with COVID um, 
you know, bring them back to health, especially uh, be with Nathan, um, and hopefully he can have a, a quick recovery. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, as far as uh, the family news, um, again, there is no uh, classes or uh, the, the donuts and coffee out in this, the foyer, which Poppy was a little upset about when she went out just a little bit ago. She wanted her donut. Um, please be... Uh, please remember uh, this afternoon uh, there is a shower for uh, Rachel Keller and David Wiggins, uh, their wedding shower from 2 to 4 uh, at Angela Marshall's house. Um, they did say that if you, you know, with the times being as they are right now, if you're more comfortable um, not being there but would like to drop off a, a gift, uh, you could uh, as well during that time. Thanks. As I mentioned at the beginning of our time together, we wanted to end with a time of prayer, of health for those who are, are, have contracted the virus, those we've lost, and just the, the times that we are in. Um, and I'd like to do that, and we, then we'll be dismissed in this place this morning. It's been good to be with you. Thank you, Melissa, for dealing with my last-minute changes and frazzled myself, and I'll talk more about this too, but... Uh, if you're looking for perfect leaders, then uh, you're not getting them. Because I offered an invitation. I was very uninviting by not standing up there for a moment. Um, so um, many things going on, and we want to be prayerful for uh, not only that process, but just uh, each other and uh, the uncertainties that exist around us. So as we end our time together in this place this morning, will you join me in prayer? Our loving, gracious, caring Father. I'm thankful that we can come to you. That we come to you in times of joy. We come to you in times of sadness and uncertainty. Father, we come to you as weary, tired people. We come to you with fatigue and uncertainty, we come to you continuously hoping for the best when seemingly, when we think things are getting better, they seem to be snapped back from us. Father, we live in uncertain times, we acknowledge that, but Father, we come to you because you are a certain God, you are a certain Father, you are the certainty of uh, uh, each and every one of us in these uncertain days. So God, we come to you and we grieve, we plead, we cry out. We ask, Father, that you would bless those who are sick, who have contracted COVID. Father, we know of several within our own church family in recent days that have contracted COVID-19. And Father, we pray for their health. We pray for their recovery. Father, we pray for those that have been affected by this, whether it's, it, it's, it's directly from contracting the virus or family members and friends of those. Father, each of us know a family and friends who have passed because of this. Father, we're mindful of those families. We're mindful of those that have had to suddenly work through grief and loss because of this virus. We're mindful of the Shelleys. 
Greg's loss of his father. We're mindful, Father, of the grief and that pain. We're mindful of the oars, the loss of a family because of this virus. We're mindful of the friends that we have lost. Just this week, Father, uh, the Snyders lost a good friend. Father, this uncertainty and this grief and this pain, it overwhelms in us at different times and in different ways and at different levels. But God, we come to you because we pray for your spirit of comfort to be upon us. God, we pray that you would give us not just wisdom, but you would give us strength to fight, that you would give us strength to love and to care in different new and special ways through this. Would you give us, Father, the wisdom to be your people in uncertain times? Would you give us the ability to turn to you when we are unsure, when we are hurting, when we are in pain? Father, give us permission to cry out, but Father, give us permission to turn to you. Father, we're mindful of those, and we're mindful of Nathan and his health at this moment. Father, we pray that his time in the hospital will be positive and he'll continue to recover quickly. God, we're mindful of, of Nathan Glavin, but we're also mindful of, of Luke and Lindsay Glavin family who recently are recovering from COVID-19. We're mindful of Lainey Williams. We're, Father, we want to be mindful of those prayerful for their health, those that we may not even know at this time or those that we will learn over the coming days. Give us peace, but Father, give us health. Watch over us and encourage us. Father, in times of hurt, in times of pain, in times of uncertainty, my prayer again is that you bring certainty through your spirit to each and every one of us. Bless us. Bless us as we leave this place. Bless us as we navigate these waters. Help us to be good people, neighborly people, kind people. Help us to be Jesus-like with a face mask or not. Help us to be Jesus-like in times when we disagree with leaders or decisions. Help us to be Jesus-like when we are grieving and hurting. Help us to be Jesus-like through all and in all. Help us to be more like your son, especially through these uncertain days. Watch over us. Care for us. Thank you. Thank you for a community that pauses to pray. Thank you for a community that cares for one another. Thank you for this community that seeks you in everything. Watch over us as only a good shepherd will. It's in your son's precious, holy glorious name that we pray and everyone says together amen you are dismissed have a great day